Join me for a year in the Bible. It's less than five minutes. Every day I'll give you insights and encouragement. That's a year in the Bible, available now wherever you get your podcasts. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on and they're trying to figure out how do I deal with this and I always know Jesus has the answer he has that next step for you let's open up the word today and see what God will say specifically to you Welcome to Your Next Step. I'm Pastor Doug, small groups pastor at the church next door on the west side of Columbus. Our lead pastor, Doyle Jackson, with me here as always. Pastor Doyle, happy Black Friday to you. Yeah, the good news is I don't have to be out shopping. Me neither, and I'm not going to. I have never gone out on Black Friday. I didn't realize Black Friday means a good, black is good there. It means they're going into the black and out of the red, so interesting. But uh, somebody else who's going to help us out of the the red, I should say, into the black, is uh, Jessica Peck. She's back with us. This is an interview that uh, Jennifer did, and uh, great insights. Well, what I think is important, we didn't have this when our kids were growing up, okay? We didn't have a lot of resources. I mean, we had focus on the family, and that's that's good. But uh, Jessica is, uh, she's a doctor, but she's a nurse, and she's a mother. And that's why her website, drnursemama.com, is out there for you. But she tries to help you uh, know how to have conversations with your kids about tough things. And I don't know, maybe on Black Friday when you're hanging out with your kids— you may get a tough question. You may you maybe need to hit the Dr. Nurse Mama website or, hey, keep listening as we talk to her today. Absolutely. So here we go again with Jessica Peck, the Dr. Nurse Mama. What a title. I could use some of that. I know you can too. Enjoy this interview. If you want to influence your team's worldview, you have to view the world as they see it. Hmm. They see it so differently than we do. How how do they see it? And when you're listening and they share something completely shocking or against your worldview, how do you absorb that without letting it show on your face? Oh, that is such a great question, Jennifer. And you know, that's exactly where I meet families behind closed doors in my clinic. Nobody ever expects to be there. I'm seeing families who are blindsided by these issues, and it's always really heartbreaking. And the thing that they share in common is they've just never imagined themselves in that place. So I think Mm. as Christian parents, we have to recognize we absolutely want the best for our kids. But if you just look at the statistics and the numbers, our kids are going to mess up. Mm -hmm. They're going to make a mistake. You have to, as a parent, put yourself in that position before it happens. And you have to allow yourself to imagine the unimaginable. Mm. And if you don't, you're just going to be at the mercy of your emotions. And usually that first emotion we feel is anger. We're not really angry at our kids. We're angry that something has threatened to derail their future. We're angry that the enemy has come in and attacked them and been successful. And that's where we need to redirect that anger. So if you're if you're listening and mm-hmm. you're thinking, This is my team, I want you to I want you to think through this scenario and practice saying something like this. If you find out something that your teen is doing that's upsetting, then just say that. Say, this news is really upsetting, and I think we should let our emotions calm down a little bit before we talk about it. But I want you to know, no matter what, 
I love you no matter what, and we will find a way through this together. That response can literally redirect the trajectory of your entire team, of your team's entire life. And that's a pretty heavy, weighty responsibility for us to have. But it doesn't mean that there won't be consequences and that you won't walk through seasons of discipline and, and things like that. But it just means that you start with emphasizing that you love them and that you see hope for their future. Is there hope when they've made these mistakes? Have you seen situations turn around? I have. I have seen situations where they have. And if I'm really honest, I see situations where it doesn't. And sometimes that can be really, really difficult for parents. And so if you're listening out there, I want you to know it is not your fault. And we, are, we have a perfect father in God, and we are imperfect children. And yet here we are as imperfect parents with imperfect children. And so we have to remember that there is a door for grace. But I, I do see a lot of teens who struggle with something, who are arrested for vaping, or a lot of teens who engage in sexting or self-harming behaviors or other struggles. And I do see them recover from that and move on to really use that season of struggle in their life help other people and something good comes out of that because we do serve a God who restores, who makes all things new, who makes beauty from ashes and who always gives us hope. One of my favorite verses is from Lamentations, because of the Lord's great love, Mm. we are not consumed. His compassions never fail and his mercies are new every morning. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, once a year or once a season or once in a lifetime, God knows that we need his mercy every single day. And God has compassion for the hurt that families are enduring. And we need to have compassion for ourselves. Oh, we absolutely do. I would I would love to just take a moment and, and walk out one of the scenarios you you choose, whether it's, you know, sexting or an eating disorder. L- let's walk that through. How could you help a parent when they've discovered Specifically, this is what my teen is involved in. How, what does it look like now? Where do we go from here? Sure. And really, you know, parents could fill in the blank. They could choose any of these scenarios because the response really should be always the same. So okay. the first thing that I would tell parents to do is to decide now who is your village? Who is your support team? Who are those people that you trust? that you can share with because we know that uh, research tells us 81% of Americans rely on Google for information searches, but only 16% will talk to a trusted friend about a problem they're having. Now, something is wrong if we won't talk to a trusted friend, but we're confident enough to rely on our Google search to Mm. solve our parenting issue. And so a lot of times when something like this happens, fill in the blank, any of these situations, we don't tell anyone and we may Google our way through it seeing like, what should I do about this? And some of that is we don't want to expose our teen to more shame and stigma. We want to protect their dignity. We don't want people to judge them. But some of that, and this is, oh, this is really tough to say, yeah. but some of that is even subconsciously, sometimes we don't want people to know because we think that is going to reflect on us as a parent. And we're more afraid sometimes of social injuries, falling from our pedestal, 
than we are the threat of physical harm and death that's staring us right in the face. So I would say Mm. in these situations, you cannot walk through these things alone. You need spiritual counsel. You need a healthcare provider that you trust with your life. You need uh, other adults in their life that are going to support them and love them no matter what. If you cultivate that team before anything happens, when something like this happens, you can just pull on that team immediately and they can surround you and give you strength to go on. And then the, the things that you have to walk through in these circumstances are the first thing after you think about your team, affirming your unconditional love and affirming your team for your team, these circumstances often have criminal implications. Mm-hmm. And that is a really hard thing for parents. I mean, I've had students who have been arrested for possessing vaping paraphernalia or been charged as a sex offender for sex genes. We need to say, okay, there's something not right. I'm going to take, we're going to make an appointment and just make sure that everything is okay and make sure that they are living at their healthiest. And then just give them hope, you know, for a way forward. We know that families with faith traditions have teens who are less likely to engage in risk-taking behaviors. And the best way that you can influence your teen's faith is to make your own faith authentic. Teens value authenticity so much. And if they see that authentically living out in your life, that it's everything to you, they are going to adopt that too. And that's going to be their best hope for a way forward out of whatever challenging scenario that this is. And I think as we walk through that, you have to acknowledge that often these aren't things you can sweep under the rug. This Mm -hmm. is a significant trauma and you may need counseling. You may need um, a psychologist to walk alongside you to address that trauma. But the good news is when teens have brains that are very easily rewired and they're neuroplastic, and so if we have the courage to have those interventions early, you're really setting your teen up for a meaningful recovery. Mm, Those are such wonderful and helpful tips. Uh, What are some of the signs of suicide or the signs what's the I, I guess to me I, I wonder what's the sign that would let a parent be alerted that this is not just normal depression or normal blues that a kid might get but it's that we're actually heading toward suicide that is a great question Jennifer and that's something I you know I dive into in detail in every single chapter when do you know when to make an appointment But across the board, the answer to that is when it's impacting your daily life. If this is something that you're talking about, that you are intervening for every single day, if you're having to modify your child's schedule, if you're not able to carry out your family plans like you plan to do, if your child is unable to go to school, to communicate with their friends, if they're struggling academically, if they're struggling relationally, and this is just kind of hijacking your everyday conversation, that is a very clear sign that you need to do something about it. And so many times when I see patients who come into the clinic, it's it's been going on for months and months and months. Mm. And usually they'll say, I'm worried, is this the flu? Is it mono? which, of course, we're going to check for all of those things and make sure that it's not something really scary. A lot of parents fear cancer. But many times the signs of mental health are physical. 
depression literally hurts your body and anxiety hijacks your emotion and disordered eating hides and it, it will come on over time. So I would say to the parent who is thinking, if that thought crosses your mind, like maybe this is something, then you should just go get it checked, just like you would get your baby's ears checked when they were when they were little and just treat it with that amount of normalcy. Just treat it as, this is a warning sign your body's giving us that something isn't right. Now, a lot of parents are afraid to come into a healthcare provider because they think we're going to pressure them to take a prescription or that we're going to label their child with a mm-hmm. mental health condition. But the truth is that anxiety and depression are extremely common. They're the most common causes of teen disability. And medication is not first-line therapy for either one of those. Most of the time, we can manage those with something we call cognitive behavioral therapy or counseling. Just counseling sometimes is as simple as you know, having support, increasing your communication techniques, Maybe it's even, you know, getting more in the sunshine and taking walks and hugging puppies. You know, there's sometimes it's things that are simple as that. And then sometimes those things are more complex. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't let the fear of that, and that's one of the things I tried to do in Behind Closed Doors, is to really um, demystify that healthcare environment and tell a parent exactly what that visit will look like mm. and what they can expect before they go. Oh, that's so helpful. Uh, Jessica Peck, Behind Closed Doors. I I like your tagline, Dr. Nurse Mama. (laughs) That's really good. Uh, You know, you have your doctor. I am a little bit Southern. You're a little bit of all of it. Um, I I guess I have a couple other questions. You know, you you go deep in here talking about sex, sexting, even as far as gender identity. And I was talking recently with a, a mother and she was explaining that the school rules have changed to the point that if a child has questions about their identity or their gender or any of those things, that the, that information is actually could be kept from the parents. Mm. Do you know anything about that? Is that, is that the case? And if so, how do we combat the, you know, if you don't know what's been said and, and mm-hmm. how do we talk to them about such big issues? Such a good question, Jennifer. And yes, that is true. That is going on in Mm. school districts across the country. And this just emphasizes the need to have open conversations with your teens at home. Because if you're not alerted to the things that happen, you can't respond appropriately. And so we need to open the door to conversation. And and something like gender identity is, is um, is a very emotional topic. The most recent statistics and Gallup tell us that about 11% of Gen Z identifies as something that's gender nonconforming, gender diverse, other than biological male or female. And so what that tells us is that most parents, about 89% of parents, will not experience their child disclosing to them that they are gender nonconforming, but most parents will experience someone in their social circle who is. And so I see, you know, teens often will handle this better than we do as parents. And it's definitely something that we should talk about. But the honest truth is I see things like the statistics I have in my book are that 55% of kids will 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 have sexual intercourse before they graduate Mm. from high school. And almost 80% of kids will try vaping. And so some of these other health threats, are much more real and present 
And so we definitely should be having conversations, those difficult conversations about gender, but also not let it um, hide the reality of the other threats that are really real and present that we feel somehow immune to. Mm. I didn't realize the percentages were so high uh, for sex during high school. That's a pretty, did you say 55%? 55 percent. Yes, those are uh, numbers from the youth risk behavior survey that we look at for, and those are self-reported numbers, so they may even be higher. And I can tell you that that really does reflect what I see in clinical practice. And one of the reasons why I just have this heart behind this message to know, I know that parents are struggling with these more than we think that they are. And so I really want to reach out with compassion and grace and empathy so that we can lead with courage and talk about those things. And I, you know, I see in my own kids' lives, um, you know, that obviously my family is not perfect. My kids aren't perfect. Our relationship isn't perfect. We do have Mm -hmm. conflict. But there have been so many times where I will come home and I'll find a, a random teenager sitting in a chair in my office that my kids have brought home said, you need to talk to my mom, mm. and I'm able to connect that teen to their parent. But a lot of times, you know, the, the teens care so much about what your parents think of you. They don't want to tell them these things because they really do care and they don't want to disappoint you. So I think just having these ongoing conversations really does open the door. And there's so many times where my kids will come and say, I have an awkward question. And Oh boy, do they. I mean, imagine being the kid whose mom comes to your school and talks about <laughs> sex. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's so, uh, but, but they'll tell me that the biggest, the, the biggest compliment that they'll give me is they'll tell me, no, mom, these things are really happening. And I mean, my kids go to a Christian school and these things are happening in their school and they feel empowered to respond. They feel like they have credible knowledge and that they can make confident decisions uh, based on that. You know, what What do you say to that parent who they've done everything by the book, so to speak, and they have this beautiful home and a great kids, but the, the kids that are surrounding their teenager are pressuring their teenager constantly, and it's just a matter of time until they cave to one of those pressures. How do you encourage that parent? I would say to really to that parent, your child is beautifully and wonderfully created by God, and they have hope for their future. And I would say to that parent, look back in your own life and see the struggles that you've had, see the mistakes that you've made, those things that all of us you know, wish that we could erase from our lives. And sometimes looking backwards like that, even if it's not the same struggle, it can give you hope you know, going forward to looking at your kids. And the other thing I would say is don't give up hope. Uh, you know, I, I prayed for 20 years for my relationship with my brothers and sisters to be restored, and God answered that mm. prayer. But it was 20 years in the making. And I look back at that, and I sometimes I would think, you know, I wish that I wish that it had been sooner, or why did I have to go through that? But I see that God uses those seasons to strengthen us and to give us skills and experience and compassion that we don't even know we need in that moment. And you just see one tiny little corner, but God sees the whole tapestry. God sees the end of the story. 
And now being at this point in my life, I can step back and I can see that story. And he is so good in that way to let me see the ending to some of those things, you know, or the beginning to some of those things, thinking, this is why this happened. This is why this person came into your life. This is how I'm going to use this um, in your story. And so I would just tell them there is always, always, always hope. And just love them, love them, love them, love them. Mm. Do you think there's hope for that young adult child that young adult that has made those mistakes as a child, as a teen, and the parents tried everything? Is there hope for that relationship? Or are there, how do you talk to the young adults? Same, do the same principles apply? They do apply. It's hard though. It's hard. And I speak to you, you know, as someone who as I shared with you at the beginning of the program and still not reconciled to my parents. And that is something I still pray for all the time. And I pray that God would heal that hurt there. And I have to understand that sometimes, sometimes God chooses not to heal that hurt this side of heaven. And in all of that, he's still good and he's still God and he is still faithful. And somehow, some way, in a way I don't understand, he will make that okay eventually. Uh, but I think, you know, our job in the moment is not to become hard and bitter and unforgiving. One of the things I talk about in the book is the physical impacts of unforgiveness and bitterness mm. and how it literally it, it damages our blood vessels and damages our heart and it causes our brain to shrink and all of these things in the way that God created us to... Um, to show that we we need to forgive. And so I would say to that parent who's feeling just bitter and angry that, you know, the, the quote is unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to be harmed. And that's just not true. It just harms ourselves. And so I would say forgive yourself for any guilt that you're feeling in this situation and learn to forgive the hurt that you've experienced and just give it to the Lord. Sometimes I do that every day. Sometimes it's every hour. Sometimes it's every 30 seconds, you know, where God and I will have a wrestling match over something. But I would say the best thing that you can do to help your teen heal, to help your young adult heal, is to seek your own healing journey. Mm, that's and in so doing good. That, that creates a beautiful model and picture for your teen or young adult to follow. Well, you even have a, a postscript in your book, How to Heal Generational Harm. I think that's going to be good just as well. I'm looking forward to that behind closed doors. And this is going to be available at all major bookstores. Yes, it sure is. I cannot wait. Oh, I'm very excited for you. I'm very excited for all of the parents who are going to read this book covering so many topics that were just uh, hammered with day after day. You even talk about uh, eating disorders, pornography, social justice, so many areas, divorce uh, that we we definitely need to get mm -hmm. on the table and talk about with one another, with our friends, you know, build those friendships of support uh, as moms, as dads, so that we can help, help our teens. You know, the, this next generation is so valuable and so precious and we have to fight for them. We have to pour into them. And I, I really appreciate all that you're doing, Jessica, to help our teens. This is Pastor Doyle Jackson for The Church Next Door. 
Reading the Bible is important. It's something that every Christian should do. It will transform your life. It'll help you grow spiritually. It is good for you. Join me for a year in the Bible. It's less than five minutes every day. We'll give you insights and we'll encourage you. So read the Bible with me and join me daily. That's a year in the Bible available now wherever you get your podcasts. Miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to your next step on all major podcasting platforms. What I love about prayer is this that you and I touch eternity, that we step into the throne room of God, we go to heaven, so to speak, in the sense that our voice reaches heaven, but it impacts earth. That's amazing. I think we should take a moment and just pray for business leaders. They need some real wisdom. God, I just want to thank you today. I want to thank you for the people that own businesses. God, they have faith because they've stepped out there on their own. They're they're trusting you, but they're also trusting the gifts that you've given them, their ability to start businesses. God, they're, they're, they're cleaning houses, cleaning buildings, mowing lawns. They're uh, opening up restaurants. They're driving cabs. They're driving trucks. They're, God, there are so many ways that people are helping our community by owning a business. And as a believer, I feel like it's our responsibility to support them in prayer. So I'm praying right now that you will help them to be successful. They've had a lot of challenges over the past couple of years, God. They've had economic challenges. They have challenges in terms of supply chain and health issues. And I pray that they would see your hope, that they would see your solutions, that you designed them. It's, it's that image bearer in them that's creative and that can solve problems. And God, there's people right now that are are listening and and they're praying, God, should I start a business? And I pray that you would give them the business plan. I pray that that, that the believers would begin to give and serve you and see that their business is their best platform for the gospel. Lord Jesus, I thank you for my father, a veterinarian who, who used his business to teach me about you and taught all of his clients that God loved them. And Lord, I pray that there would be business people throughout our community begin to see that they are called of God to be a Christian business person. May the business in our community submit to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I know I know that that prayer was good and that you were a part of that, but I want to take you to the next step because that's what we're all about here, right? So would you go to yournextstepnow.com? That's our website and give us your email address and we're going to give you our ebook. It's a prayer guide. This month it's free. Know that it's free. It's not going to cost you. You just have to give me your email address and then you and I can become prayer partners for the ministry. I need you to pray with me and agree with me. Our world needs revival. We need you to become a prayer partner. This community needs you. So go to yournextstepnow.com, give us your email address, and get your free prayer guide ebook today. This has been Your Next Step, a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. We hope this has been an encouragement to you as you seek to have a deeper faith in Christ. If you'd like to hear today's show again or share it with a friend, look for Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. We'd love to see you soon at The Church Next Door. 
easily find our service times and our app. I'm Pastor Doyle Jackson. Join us again next time for your next step.